On this episode of Castoshi, I talked to Juan Gasca of Tin DeFi, a platform for investing in early stage crypto companies. Juan talks about how they plan to make investing both safer and simpler for investors and how his experience from working in a fraud detection company helped to shape this vision. We also talk about how regulation can either help or hinder innovation in the crypto space and how different countries handle this. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Castoshi, and today we have Juan Gasco of Scan DeFi and Ten DeFi. Did I get any of those correct? Well, you got Ten DeFi and Scan DeFi right, but my name—it's—it's it's hard to pronounce. It's Spanish, uh, and it's very oh, always everyone gets it wrong. It's Juan, uh, but. You know, don't worry about it. It's normal. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Okay. Are you Spanish speaking yourself? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Spanish, French, and English speaking. Okay. Where are you from in Spain? Um, initially from Madrid. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a few hours north of me. I- I'm in Gibraltar, so. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. A lot of lot of dilemma from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Spanish people, yeah. but it's what it is. Okay. Um. So. Would you like to start just by telling us a bit about what your two companies do and how they kind of tie into each other? Okay, well, uh, as you said, I'm Juan Gasca. I'm the CCO of uh, ScanDefi and TinDefi. Uh, we started off with uh, ScanDefi, and this is a cybersecurity uh, blockchain company where we have the uh, famous uh, scanner. And what we do with this scanner is an AI system that kind of picks out different lines of code and different aspects of every single token in the blockchain. It's still in development, but what we do basically is just pick out uh, specifically maybe if it can be a rock pool, if it can be if the uh, owner can change uh, the uh, code and smart contract in order to uh, fraud people. So what we do is that's the main function. We also have the academy. We have a whole ecosystem that kind of feeds a a blacklist of scams and reports them. Uh, It's community based Uh, and then kind of give a whole uh, ambience around scams and cryptocurrencies. Then in the other side, we have TinDefi, which basically the only um, reason why it exists is the fact that the crypto user doesn't have a place, uh, a nap to be in. Uh, you can also have, for example, messaging. You have Telegram, Discord, Reddit, uh, Twitter. Uh, then you have the social media aspects, Instagram, uh, Twitter again, uh, Facebook, whatever things. And then you have the information part uh, where you get, I don't know, Cointelegraph, Coindesk, Investing.com, etc. And then you have the exchanges. What we do is unify everything and put it in one single app. Uh, we connect the four main stakeholders. Uh, so that is the retail investor, where they can search for different investing opportunities, chat with people, and they can interact in the blockchain as well inside of the app. And then we have the blockchain projects that I was mentioning before. And with these ones, uh, we kind of connect them to everyone. We connect them to the other two different stakeholders, venture capitals and influencers, and obviously give them opportunities to expand their network, expand their um, 
businesses and kind of get them where they should be instead of the cryptocurrency world. Okay, just taking myself off mute there. Okay, so let me um, see if I understand correctly. So the first mm-hmm. one, scan DeFi. So you detect um, fraud and stuff like that. So is this something, how do you define fraud? Because, for example, uh, I assume, are you familiar with tomb forks? No. Um, okay, so, so tomb forks are, are basically um, something, they're a DeFi community that's based on the um, phantom blockchain. Mm-hmm. And originally there was something called Tomb Finance, which was also um, a copy of something else. And that spawned like hundreds of other similar DeFi projects, each with a little tweak. And almost all of them have um, been where people are put, like people are putting over a billion dollars and almost all of the money's been lost. Um, can it detect projects where... Um, say the person who starts a project, pull, you know, like pull, pulls it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So what we do is initially in the smart contract, you have to uh, code it in a way that allows you to change it in one moment and then uh, kind of rug pull it. Hmm. Uh, so what we detect is the those gaps that they leave of due to interpretation that, that people really don't know what this line of code means etc etc so what we do is with a few parameters we make a kind of grade uh, from zero percent to hundred percent and kind of give it a percentage of being a scam obviously never saying that it's a hundred percent because or zero percent right because no matter what something can go wrong um, in terms of that that's that's how we do it okay so I'm assuming that you go to the website and you check to see, um, and, and so you follow whichever smart contract address it's pointing to, and then you look at the code. Or a- actually, you, you probably ha- you probably have to look at a website over time and see if that smart contract address changes, don't you? Exactly. So what we do first is it does a preliminary scan, and it just looks at the smart contract. Mm. Uh, if it detects something that is not right. Uh, well, it will just detect it and say this line of code allows you to do this, 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 and this, hmm. or allows you to not do this, which is also bad, right? So we have different techniques that already been studying in the past hmm. with an algorithm and everything. Hmm. You know, it will be run by an algorithm by the input of the community, and then at the end as well uh, from the input that we get day to day. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm just adjusting. Okay. So. Don't worry. Um, so okay so so I went to your website and it looks like this is like I wasn't sure are you saying this has been up and running for some time because it looks like it's up and running based on your website is that correct it's it's not up and running yet uh so we have is the blacklist right now where Mm. people can um report and uh, report scams that they've been involved in or that have been um victims of uh, they can also go to the academy and um, learn about different other um, ways that they can f- uh, defraud you. We have, you know, different techniques, either from the external world, the blockchain world, and then kind of of the satellites around it. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's up and running. The project is up and running. We also have a token. Mm. Um, but in terms of the scanner, we're still developing it because we want it to be 100% sure that it's going to do its job and not going to be kind of 
80% to some project that already is not going to be right. So we need to be sure that we're not kind of defaming people for this. Okay. And how did you actually get to this idea? I mean, what made you think of it? Well, the fact was that I think everyone in the cryptocurrency world started with a scam. Uh, at least myself, my team and everything, we all started through a scam, either a pyramid scheme or uh, some promise that you'll get, I don't know, 10% per week, right? Um, so that's how we all started, at least in my um, group. And we were like, you know, this can't happen, right? Um, there was also a lot of scams in the Binance Smart Chain and everything like that. We were like, we're seeing a very real issue there. And we're like, you know what? There is, you know, there's some companies and some websites that try to help with this but they're not a company, right? They're not a company. They're not a token. They don't have a business model. It's just information, you know, they're, uh, forgive me for this, but for geeks and made by geeks, right? And we're like, let's take this and make it a business. Let's make it a token, make it with a community. Let's create something bigger than, you know, these small websites that just detect tiny bit. Uh, so we decided to do that, and and yeah, that's that's where we are now, uh, creating another project involved uh, with Scan. Okay, so 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 I understand that. So you you yourself was a victim were a victim of a scam, and I've been I've been a victim of quite a few. Yeah. So, um, and um, or, or basically, where the project creator didn't have good intentions, or or maybe they had good intentions, but when it came down to it, they took the money when they could. Um, because money can corrupt even the best of minds, you know, sometimes. Yeah. So, so it happened to you and also people you knew. So you decided to, you, you wanted to see how could we um, find a like long-term solution for this. And, um, and that's what, okay. So that's what Scandify exactly. is. Okay. And yeah, so you... it's kind of a, uh, kind of academy, but also an actual product itself. So we have a service that helps detect if your investment or future investment is a scam. But as well, we go through universities, podcasts, we go to different um, media mm. to make sure that people know the risks, that people know the way that they scam, and to just move on to another thing if you see that something is a tiny bit wrong. Okay, so, so, so who's the customer for this? Is, this? is this that you're going to monetize through the token or do you sell this to like venture capitalists or people who want to invest in tokens? Like who's the actual customer? Is it, is it going to be token holders? I, I'm, I'm not sure. So the, the actual service is 100% free. You don't mm. have to hold, you don't have to do anything to actually go in it. Mm. Uh, what we do, our profit comes from the token itself and then afterwards from the courses. Right. So the courses we give with uh, cybersecurity experts, blockchain experts and myself sometimes, mm. um, what we do is we charge for those videos, online videos or going to universities, giving talks, etc. OK, so, so um, how, how does your token actually get value based on on um, on on um, scams? <laughs> It doesn't, right? It doesn't. In a matter of fact, the more scams that we detect, it doesn't affect the price, right? It's mm. it's just a matter of community there that people that believe that this is going to work. Mm. Uh, we also do audits for different tokens. So that's another way we actually get revenue. Mm. Uh, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, 
fantasizing that it's going to go up or that is, uh, you know, the actual token will have utility and it has utility inside of the uh, application and inside of the website. Okay, but I'm, I'm trying to understand because I understood, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're trying to raise 100 million euros, is that correct? Yes, this is with uh, with scan, or not scan, but with 10 DeFi, right? So there's uh, two different things. Uh, scan DeFi is inside of 10, helping uh, 10 DeFi work through all these scams, all the products that are going to be listed there, and, you know, helping, reaching a hand and also getting uh, some clients from there. Uh, what Tendify is doing is basically um, getting the, or usually the, the biggest customer there is the user, the investor, which is going to go through the app uh, looking for projects. Metaverse projects, right. Okay, let's look for metaverse projects. And instead of, uh, you know, searching for them manually, like say, I don't know, meta, right? Mm. Um, you go to the to Tendify, to the Tend section, and what you do is click Metaverse. And once you click Metaverse, you have every single project that kind of goes through there. What we do is, uh, for example, um, you have a 15 to 30 second video uh, explaining the project, kind of like TikTok. Mm. Uh, and then if you like it, then you click and then you see all of the information that you need to know from the fundamentals, tokenomics, roadmap. Uh, you see who the owners are, the partners, you see where they're listed, their graph, the token, or the NFTs, or whatever they're selling. And you have all of the information either from the blockchain and the internet there. Uh, so it gives you, instead of looking for projects like CoinMarketCap that you have to type, mm. you find them, you discover them as you go with a gamification that, you know, kind of helps the a uh, new crypto user uh, to interact with the app, with uh, rewards, with different stuff, apart from sharing this experience in the Vives section where they kind of um, share their investments, share their thoughts, as well as the influencers that share value and education in the app. Okay, okay. So it's it's kind of like a search engine for crypto projects. Um, yes. Or like, so like, a, like, you know, uh, TechCrunch. It's like crunch base for, t for crypto projects. I would say so, but way different, right? So it has a bit of spice, kind of like Tinder, I would say, mm. uh, where you, if you would like the project, you swipe right. And then immediately you go to, you follow the project in their mm. profile, like Instagram mm. or any mm. other social media mm. right now. And then you also follow the actual group chat. Mm. In the group chat itself of the project, you can buy and sell directly in the group chat mm. that means that the immediacy that you have right now you don't have to go to binance you don't have to go to kucoin you don't have to go to pancake swap you don't have to go any other exchange mm. because we're already connected to them uh, so what that gives you is the uh, way of okay i have the information here in the group chat mm. they just said a new release is coming or a new partner or whatever mm. let me just buy oh someone is uh creating um food well let me just sell right uh, i can just do it instantly just click sell mount done because it is, is a decentralized app we only need the wallet which gives us access to do these uh transactions uh for you obviously if you allow it and as well of transactions right right now for transacting and giving you for example ten dollars mm. i have to 
ask for your wallet, copy it, go to my MetaMask or go to my exchange, copy, paste it, put the amount, verify, and you know it sends. It's not too long. It's it's faster than a bank transfer, let's just say. Mm. But this makes it even faster because if I'm talking to you, mm. I can directly send you. You just have to say, hey, can you send me $10? I just say, send, amount, send. You know, that's it. Uh, that's that's okay. super fast. So, so I'm understanding that this is, I mean, I know this, this like, um, I know this cycle where you get people trying to search for projects and trying to find out where it's listed find out how they can buy it or sell it so so you're you're going to be like an all-in-one app so so i understand that exactly. and, I, and i see that there's people who, who'd use that for sure um and you do you make the money off commissions from people buying and selling the coins or so no at the beginning no because this is not the main function the main uh revenue stream comes from advertising hmm. we'll have listed thousands and thousands of projects of every single sector in the cryptocurrency world. DeFi, Metaverse, NFTs, uh, just different tokens, meme coins, whatever. What we make our money on is advertising. We give them the possibility to target people that, one, have invested in these type of projects or that are actively looking for these type of projects. Someone that has NFTs or someone that is looking for NFTs or both, right? Plus, as well, we have the ability to look inside of these wallets and detect if they have liquid, if they have USDT, mm. BUSD, um, BNB, or uh, Bitcoin, maybe, right? So we have the ability to sell that information inside of the blockchain and say, we can get you to these people right now. Mm. So obviously, in the blockchain world and in the cryptocurrency world, advertising is very, very expensive. Mm. So we're the direct um, competition for influencers, for other um, other websites that kind of do these promotions. But with the slight twist that people are actually looking for these products that are going to be mm. advertisements, right? Because being advertised in an app means that you have money to invest. Mm. Having money to invest means that you're doing good. So people that get ads are going to be thanking us. I'm not going to say it, obviously, because I know everyone and everything. But in my opinion, I feel like it's a very nice indicator that some project is going well if you see an ad. At it, least it, it is a... for early stage projects, though. Exactly, yeah. So what we're going to be I mean, doing It means is... they've got funding. It doesn't yeah. mean that they've got a yeah. sustainable model yet. It means that they've got yes, funding. Yes, but at least they, they've attracted some investors, right? Mm. And that's the start. Um, so in terms of that, what we're trying to go is put an app where you not only get very small cap or micro caps, but also medium, uh, big and super large caps. So from the newest coin that they've put to Bitcoin, everything in there. And you just it's just up to you to filter that out or not if you want to just get a surprise and see what you want, right? Um, so it's kind of playing with that aspect of, one like all in one app has anyone tried this before there are some other um, there are some competitors but they are more into the social media aspect right so more into sharing rewarding people that share and get more likes 
but no other than uh, you know discovering projects. Uh, right now, you have CoinMarketCap, CoinGecko, these kind of uh, websites where you can look for them, but not discover them. Okay, okay. And, um, okay, so, I mean, for me, I could see, I mean, yeah, I really see people using it to try and find new projects and and then maybe saying, okay, I'll put in $100 or $200. Have you actually, I mean, I know there's a demand out there because you just look at the internet chat rooms around the world and you can see mm-hmm. that people, there's millions of chat rooms on this sort of thing. Um, and have you actually um, released it to or tested it with people yet? So we started, we actually launched a month and a half ago, uh, public. We've mm. been working on since November, mm. but a public public with everything, with the website and everything since uh, uh, May 1st. Mm. Um, we are expecting to have the app ready uh, and running for September, October. Uh, okay, so okay. not too long, but still, you know, we have a, our own kind of mock-up. We have our MVP that mm. we're doing beta testing inside of the uh, team. And then we'll be actually getting some people uh, outside in the community to start testing it out, um, but not ready yet. Okay, I heard somewhere you have forty-five people in your in your company. Is that correct? Yes, we and have forty-five. How, how people. are you paying for all of this? Because that's a lot of people to pay. So we have funding. We have obviously because of Scan DeFi, we already had this team, a team of very highly motivated people that believe in the uh, vision, kind of almost like co-founders, uh, but not quite. Uh, but we all have the same vision. We are all ready to work without getting paid or much pay. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of people that are getting, you know, um, salaries and wages that are according to their jobs. Uh, which okay. we get money from Scan uh, because it's our old project. But Scan makes then, money, actually. Yes. So we okay, make money. Okay, from, fair enough. Yeah. That one is already working. We already have some clients. And then apart from that, we have the funding that we already got, uh, mm. which is uh, 1.5 million from the first round and this round right now, where we can actually um, pay people their their accurate wages since we've been working on for this almost for free for like a year and a half <laughs> yeah, yeah okay and, and so, so are you how are you planning on getting the 100 million is, is this from people who want to are you planning on are you trying to get it from venture capital firms or from people who actually want to look at these small micro caps because venture capital firms they already have teams researching new projects and they just go to them direct. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure if it's, if it's something they want, unless they own most of your, most of the, of your company. Yeah. So for this, obviously we're actually giving them a opportunity, uh, not for them to search for projects, but for projects to search for them. Depending on the venture capital, you know, they have different requirements, they have different um, interests. So what a project normally does is contact everything, right? Just try everything because why not? So we give them an access to these people, uh, which could be potentially uh, more beneficial and faster. Uh, In terms of uh, who we're looking to contact, obviously venture capital to have some part of the tokens because we're actually doing an ICO. Um, we're not doing equity rounds right now, 
Uh, and then afterwards, we're looking for individuals that high net worth individuals that are looking for uh, being part of this project or something very similar in the blockchain world. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like an interesting project. I think the main thing is that it's, um, I, I, yeah, I was confused because you had two different projects. So mm -hmm. Scan DeFi has been run. So how long has Scan DeFi been running since? So we've actually released the token uh, the 19th of August, but as well, we've been working on since January, I would say, January of 2021. Oh, okay, okay. So that's been like a year and a half for Scan DeFi. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, but, but did you, did you not think of just keep, because if Scan DeFi is going good, did you think of just scaling that up? I mean, what made you decide to not pivot, but to kind of branch out? Because it's, it's more than twice as hard to do two companies yeah. than one. So the problem we were having with Scan DeFi is that it was, it was not that scalable. It was not that attractive to the majority of the crypto users. Very useful, but not visually attractive. Uh, so what we're doing is kind of creating a marketing tool for Scan DeFi. Hmm. Is getting a lot of people interested in the one single uh, project, which is Scan DeFi, hmm. and then kind of with these uh, people with this project, kind of referring them to uh, Scan DeFi because that is a way easier funnel to get audits done. Mm. And then afterwards, you have a free marketing scheme that we can actually run through Scan DeFi to promote Scan, right? Okay. So it's kind of a beneficial loop cool. because Scan DeFi is giving security to Tendify, which we already have, but kind of giving that support. And then Tendify is giving them clients or giving us. Okay. I don't know how you want to see it. <laughs> so is it going to be one company or two, though? It's going to be two separate companies. It is going to be um, in the same holding. It's going okay, to be in the sure. same holding. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and, and how will, like, the companies that you list on Tin DeFi, will you go to them? Or will you, is it like someone goes and fills in a web form and they're listed, or are you going to be looking for projects? So anyone can list any project. No matter if it's your project, I can list, for example, I can list ScanDefi if I was not even uh, a member or if I was just from the community. Because it's a decentralized, so you can get it right there. Now, it, it won't be verified until these uh, owners verify the information that you put. So what we do there is kind of contact the ones that already have been listed and say, hey, uh, someone listed your coin, please verify it so people don't mess, right? Uh, don't don't get the wrong impression of your coin. So that's how we do it. And then afterwards, um, anyone can do it, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, okay, that that makes um, a lot of sense. So then, but then if they don't if they don't um, verify it, then they don't get listed, or or, or it's marked. They as get as listed, unverified. but. Yeah, it's unverified. So it could be right, it could be wrong. Uh, we always try to get the most. Oh, that's my just my video went off, but it does it sometimes. I don't know why. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I was saying um, it can be verified by us in terms mm. of looking in terms of the blockchain, verifying a tiny bit more. Mm. But in terms of what the project is about, the owners, etc., we can't verify a hundred percent. Something that we don't know. So in terms of that, we will have protocols to verify ourselves, but obviously we encourage uh, product owners to verify themselves. 
uh, as well as being in the app because of the uh, benefits that it brings to them. Okay. Okay. And which chains does is this for? Is this only for Ethereum or? So it will be for every single chain, right? So uh, inside of the project itself, uh, you will have from Polygon, Solana, you will have anything, any blockchain product can go in it. Um, and obviously uh, you can have, at first you probably just uh, go in with the MetaMask with the most used one, which is a mm. uh, BEP20 wallet. Mm. And then you can add to your profile if you want NFTs and you have NFTs in Solana, well, you can add your mm. uh, Solana wallet or Polygon wallet, whatever um, wallet that you want, you may add to your um, user mm. and either show it on your profile or connect uh, or buy with okay. other uh, stuff, okay. right? So it's if there is a new blockchain, obviously it won't be there. Uh, you can uh, list it and try to get it there. Mm. Obviously there will be protocols and... Um, ways that you can do it okay and your service itself is, is not decentralized that's centralized um, that's your own service is that correct our services in terms of what like like when someone goes and uses your website um uh, and your token um your your own service itself runs on the blockchain does it or or, or yes was it, centrally? it does so, so it's so decentralized does... Is, oh, is it decent? Okay. So does that yeah. mean that when your service is live, I could make an alternative UI on top of it? Yeah. Ah, okay. So are you actually going to publish? Are you going to publish the APIs, the A uh, ABI? Yeah, so we'll be publishing everything on the blockchain. Uh, maybe not the internal uh, code of the uh, app mm. application itself. Mm. You'll be able to get in into the application with no identification, with nothing, with no uh, identity, uh, with just your wallet. So that's that's the main factor. And then anyone can get in. Uh, that's that's our core value there. Okay, but stuff like, what about stuff like comments and like when people are interacting and voting, is that also, is that going to be on the blockchain as well, all of that? I'm not sure, to be fair. Um, okay. I know it's going to be in the application and anyone can comment, but I'm not sure if it's going to be in the blockchain or not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because what a lot of, what, what a lot of, you have to be careful when you say it's fully decentralized, because what a lot of projects do is they say they're fully decentralized, but what they, what they actually mean is they start off centralized and then they, they intend to become decentralized over the next probably four or five years. Mm -hmm. Um and and because there's a big there's a big difference because because if you're fully decentralized it means that someone else can literally when you go live if it, if your if your system works it means that someone else can come along with a better ui and will be will have a chance to um um uh, well it would still help your system because it's your running with your token mm -hmm. but um but it means that if you do stuff like um, taking credit card like like if you take credit cards and stuff like that most of that has like an off-chain element to it like if you take visa cards and things yeah we won't oh, okay okay um, so yeah it's fully, so in it's terms fully of that MetaMask. yeah so it's it's only with your metamask or your wallets or whatever uh we are centralized itself we're registered in el salvador uh because mm. of bitcoin because of the regulations there that allow us to be this kind of uh, decentralized and mm. uh, not ask for any details. 
uh, but we're still a legal company. We still have to comply with um, patents. We still have to comply with, uh, you know, the code of the application itself. So in terms of that, we're decentralizing the means of we're not asking for any details or your identification, or we're not going to be asking, hey, you know, you have some tax to pay. Okay, so, so that's interesting. You're in El Salvador. So you grew up in Spain. And what was the reason you moved to El Salvador? Was it just for this? We have, I'm not in El Salvador right now. I'm in, in south of France. Mm. Um, we have our company incorporated in El Salvador. We have mm. some team members there. Uh, but the main part of the, the, the team and the whole company is in Spain or around Europe. Oh, okay. Okay. Um... Okay, that's it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because yeah, because I know there's quite a few Bitcoiners who've yeah moved to um, El Salvador. Um, I guess so. You're saying it's because of the legal framework. So does that mean that you didn't what like what was the reason you chose El Salvador compared to like say Dubai or something like that? Yeah. So for example, in uh, Europe, mm. when you want to do an ICO they force you first to do a uh, requirement in the bank and say, I'm going to do an ICO. I need the stamp that uh, I'm going to do an ICO. Mm. I need to ask for identification, for passport number, for whatever, mm. for every single investor. Mm. And as a decentralized, in terms of decentralized um company we couldn't afford that we couldn't say yeah we, we, we don't want to do it we still wanted to be in the legal framework yeah. so we started searching for different countries that allowed us to do this without yeah. the identification we stumbled upon el salvador because of our contacts um and we decided to go there after you know searching for many different options yeah. because we didn't have to give any details, any information about these um, investors, yeah. just the wallet. So they have a registered um, number of wallets with the amounts that they bought. That is everything that they need because in El Salvador, that's how they work. You know, they don't they don't require any identification number because of the Bitcoin law. Are you talking about um, investors in your company or investors for the projects that you list on your company? For the project, for uh, the actual oh, token itself. Oh, I see. So, so you're saying that, like, for example, in the USA, they have the thing where you have to be an accredited investor um, yeah. to invest in the company. You're saying that the laws are so strict here, it's just a lot of hassle. and it's just Exactly. Yeah. So if you wanted to invest, if I wanted to invest in our ICO, but the ICO was listed in Spain or in Europe, mm. I would put my identification card or, uh, I don't know, whatever uh, identification that I have mm. in order to be able to buy that pre-sale. Mm. To get into that pre-sale, I mm. have to give everything. Mm. Now, what you see is a lot of people that don't do this, but still in uh, Europe, mm. they do it illegally, right? They, mm. it's, it's not legal within the banks, mm. central banks. Mm. Mm. And we were like, you know, we're going to be a big company. We can't afford to um, do this publicly as well mm. once, when we're actually giving our faces, right? Mm. Um, I don't have a mask right now. I'm, I'm Juan. I am giving you my mm. full details here. Uh, so in terms of that, we wanted to do it that way and legally <laughs> so, okay, so we, at some point you'll have to move to el salvador though won't you not myself 
there's no requirement that I have to move or the co-founders have to move. There's only the requirement that only one person of the team has to be there as a representative. Okay, okay, okay fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't know that you didn't have to um, do that um, sort of diligence on investors in uh, in um, El Salvador. I had no idea about that. But, yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. So that must be, so is that attracting, like, how are you finding, like, I assume you've been to El Salvador, though. No, I haven't. Oh, but are you, I hope you're planning on going. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm planning on going, yeah. yes, indeed. Um, are you, are you, sorry, my video keeps going, cutting off. Uh, I, I, do you hear about a lot of other, I mean, what you said is very correct, because I know of DeFi companies all around the EU, and what happens is they basically, they kind of do it, not illegally, but they just run the DeFi company. And once they get like $50 million in total value, or, few, or more than $10 million anyway, then what they do is they move to Dubai or to um, some other um, country, or Singapore or something. Um, mm. So what you're saying is totally correct, is because... Is, there's just too much uncertainty here so do you see also a lot of other companies doing the same thing because it's just simpler or do you think it's going to it's going to become more friendly here in in the eu i don't think so honestly in the eu we have a history of you know just killing everything that is unknown um because we've done it in the past in every single occasion that we had um i don't think they can totally ban it they will regulate it in the fact that uh you know they will be taxed everywhere when you buy, when you sell, kind of like the stock market at the moment. Mm. Um, and kind of keeping a log about everything. Obviously, there will be the decentralized uh, world, uh, MetaMask, well, mm. depending on how you look at it, um, mm. it can be centralized or not. But um, it will be at some point uh, better and easier for companies to start their own cryptocurrency business. What they have to realize is that people are moving on to crypto because of these unexisting regulations. And it's why it's a booming market, because there's so much freedom that you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this gives creativity, gives freedom of employing people all over the world without mm-hmm. having to go through a bureaucracy, papers mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm. That slows down the entrepreneur a lot mm. because maybe they don't know it because maybe they don't know how to employ someone in you know, Latin America, right? We have mm. a lot of workers and a lot of employees in, in Latin America because mm. of their situation, because of the language, because of w- many mm. reasons. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't, if we had a company in Spain or Europe, mm. we would have to go through a lot of processes of labor mm. or of contractors or whatever mm. that we don't have to go through just because of crypto yeah it, it, may, uh, it makes sense because a lot of like as a startup founder i mean you've got so many things to worry about and then when you have to go through all that admin and paperwork i mean some people can deal with it i mean personally i can't but and i know that most you know most people but just it want gives, to go it gives an extra ahead. cost it gives it's an extra, extra, cost, extra cost, yeah, and time. Every, yeah. Of lawyers, time, yeah. and knowing the regulations. Uh, and you don't even know if there's going to be any, any benefit. Yeah, that's true. And you don't know if, if this person's actually going to work, right? Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I see that because, I mean, I'd moved from... Um, from one place to another and, and and before this i used to i was in a place which was very unfriendly to crypto and um and just moving to a place where which is actually more regulated 10 100 times more regulated than the previous place but 
because um, a lot of people think that regulation means that places are unfriendly, but actually, yeah, no, those places are actually usually much more friendly. And so now I'm in a place which is the most regulated in Europe, which is Gibraltar. Um, I mean, just the difference in how people think about it is different. I mean, I, I know people who, um, like, like back in in uh, like when I was living in the EU, and they'd literally take like years over a project which they could have tried in months or weeks, simply because they were trying to get over these legal um, roadblocks, and and they were like, oh, I have to apply for for this license and that license. And yeah, you still have to you have to do even more of that here. But the problem there is when they'd apply, they'd never get an answer. Mm-hmm. So if you have to, if you're waiting two years to get an answer from the government about whether you're allowed to do something, it basically, you know, like people were using that, and and they didn't realize that it's like like if you go to a lot of countries in Europe, like in Scandinavia, a lot of people still think crypto is going to totally fail. M- most people still think that, and. And and um, but now I'm I'm away from that. The mindset is just uh, so different, and it's probably the you probably experience it dealing with people from El El Salvador and and other crypto friendly places. Like you know, they're just moving forward without all of that you know headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you so much more freedom. And regulation doesn't mean, as we said, doesn't mean that is going to be bad. It depends on the regulations. That's everything. You know, if uh, China is regulating uh, mining, right, that mm. is bad in some sense mm. um, for Bitcoin miners. But if you're regulating the fact that it's accepted, that you can actually work with your bank, that the banks don't try to work against you because mm. you're using crypto, um, there's many problems out there with banks. You know, even where there is no regulation and there's no problem with crypto. Mm. The banks are canceling your cards. The banks mm. are uh, freezing your accounts mm. because you're dealing with crypto. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so true. I, I mean, we, um, I know we've started talking about where crypto's future is. Um, I mean, we talked. We okay. We talked quite a bit about your company, and I know that you've you, you're still developing some stuff for your big release in September. You hope, I mm-hmm. hope. Um, but so. In five years' time, where do you see things will be with crypto in the world? It's impossible to say. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, my understanding, what I think could happen, the most possible way, is that people start adopting it. People start adopting it, paying and using it as a normal currency. I don't know if it will replace normal fiat. Hopefully not. Uh, we still have and we need physical cash. Um, I'm someone that is, uh, you know, wanting to uh, have that uh, physical cash remained in the system. Um, apart from that, you know, a lot of things can happen. Uh, regulations can go very, very strict and not even allow you to go decentralized, which I feel like it's a Depending on how you look at it, it gives a way to foment um, crime or money laundering. Mm. There's a lot of that. Um, But there's also ways to kind of research. You know, it's very easy to go into the blockchain and go track anyone. Mm. So in terms of that, they can go through mixers, they can go through whatever, but you're still going to be found. You know, it's just a matter of people knowing uh, where to look. And that is that is crime, right? So in terms of that, 
I feel like it's a very positive future. It will go up by a lot because, as I said, only 4% of the population is actually in crypto. So imagine if 50% go in it. Imagine if 80% go in it and they start using it as a currency, as a way, a fast method of paying, as a method of uh, storing value, right? The, the technology behind cryptocurrencies is it goes beyond the speculation that is going through right now. Um, and it has more value than it currently has. I mean, what do you think will happen to the countries which go to like, like if the US makes it very hard for companies to to serve users in the USA, do you think that the innovation will will end up moving to uh, countries like El Salvador and, and, and those countries will get more wealthy or? Definitely. I mean, uh, if a country, no matter who it is, uh, restricts innovation uh, from happening fast or happening at the ease of everyone, mm. and there's another neighbor country that has better conditions, there's always that nationalism that um, is built, for example, in America, in North America, that, you know, you have to be um, from the United States, you know, you, you fight the world, you, you're the number one, right? So there's always that that could make you uh, stuck in that place. Uh, but if they do really, really harsh regulations, then it's going to go away. Maybe they'll increase in other industries, but crypto, if a country restricts it and annoys it, they'll go. They'll go because crypto users are very free. They're very, um, as a market, they're very volatile. You know, they move from one place to another, looking for the best conditions and looking for the best outcome. So if you don't give them the best outcome, they will leave. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think, yeah, we, we touched on a lot of things, but I think one of them was like, I think crypto will become like like bitcoin will probably become like the savings bank and things like the lightning network i think us dollars will still be the normal currency in fact i think us dollars will increase in circulation massively because i think a lot of color, uh, countries will dollarize and switch yeah, to they're the already dollar. doing it yeah 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 so it's already happening now and um um, I mean, there's been talk of some countries switching to Tether and, you know, whether it's Tether or USDC, but, you know, um, so I already see that happening. I think with things like um, with DeFi, um, what you I think what might happen is you'll get um, like with outsourcing from the last 20 years where you had countries in, in the West would outsource to India, for example, software development. You, do you think you might see the same? Th I don't know if, how much of that you've seen, but for me, it was a big part of my working life. Um, do you think that, that the same might happen with crypto, where basically the US and the Western countries might just be a front for services, but everything's just developed in, in, in other countries and other countries get the skill sets? It's a lot to think about, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue, you know, there, it, it just depends because right now there's no manufacturing involved, right? So mm. you can do it from your home. Mm. It's just a matter of fact where it's more beneficial for me or for the people that are working to develop this. Mm. If, you know, you have the skill sets somewhere, you're not going to move if you are not required to go somewhere else, right? Um, 
I think you will see definitely a increase in pay for these developing countries. And you already see that developers, uh, even normal developers, right, uh, are increasing and kind of stabilizing in one price uh, mm. all over the world because they don't go locally. They don't mm. serve their services locally. They serve worldwide. Mm. Um, so these developing countries, India, you know, very mm. tech, uh, you can see a lot of developers coming from there because in the past, they've been very, very cheap to buy or very cheap to hire. But now you can see that they're just standardizing the prices. Mm. So it's just a matter of who you think is best, who mm. your, uh, who has their own language, and depending on where that goes. Mm. Because blockchain developers, they all charge the same, no matter where you go, no matter the mm. skill set. They they're all, all charge expensive. the same. <laughs> they're all expensive. They're yeah. all expensive indeed. I think, I think, I think, I mean, things you think to be a blockchain developer. I mean, before I learned um, Solidity, for example, I, I thought that, um, oh, it's just learning one language. But now I'm actually building stuff. I realize you have to know web development, backend development, Solidity, you have to know the different blockchains, you know, um, and endless Solidity versions and the differences. And, you know, you, you have to, there's a whole, I think if you just learn solidity, you'll be able to. You might be able to write a smart contract, but that's not actually that useful to a company. That they want someone who can do the whole thing, and yeah. and, and can write the you know the front end as well. Because like like when you're writing a, a normal website with a database at the back end, you can have very fast like you know interaction with the database. But suddenly, when you're on a blockchain, you have a half a minute transaction which might fail your UI is totally different. And so you have to really make sure, you know, that you're not a cookie cutter developer who, who just, you know, learn, you know, on a course or something. Mm -hmm. um, that was I my experience anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm supposed to be interviewing you on here. Um, are you a developer yourself? No, 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 no. I have minimum Python knowledge. Okay, so, so what is your what is what was it that actually attracted you to crypto? Would you say in the first place, the money? Um, oh, really? That okay. is a very I like simple that. just honest, answer. just the money. <laughs> um, at first, yeah, you know, I was I started when I was seventeen, uh, going into stock um, stock market and in, investing, etc. And then uh, my CEO actually got me into crypto and mm. said, you know, hey, this is a big opportunity here. Let's just mm. trade. Let's invest. Let's do this. Let's do that. Mm. And I got around a not the, a good crowd, really. Uh, mm. People that were developers, designers. We had the whole team there, mm. and we just decided, hey, let's just do something. Let's 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 mm. do something that could work. And we started doing very small stuff. Mm. Uh, myself, I'm not a very techie guy uh, in mm. terms of that. I'm, I think um, I like well, science. Not yet. I, not yet. Not yet. But yeah. oof, I don't know. You. Know, I don't know. It seems it seems hard and a lot of time to put in it. I'm kind of the guy that goes like, well, I have the idea. Can you mm. develop it and mm. kind of supervise it instead of getting my hands dirty in there? Because I have no knowledge. If I had, I would do it myself. But I think, it's, I think at some point you have to, though, and I'll tell you why, because there will be company changing decisions that you'll make. For example, when you have your own token, for example, what blockchain you're on. Yeah. And if you don't know how the blockchains work and developed on it, it's very hard to, because people always go where the developers are. And so you have to know how the developers think. And 
and you know and you have to understand how how these um security these solidity bugs and vulnerabilities work so at some point i mean I, I was the same i stayed away from crypto for years and even though i was a software engineer for 30 years and then in the last year i started learning how, how to code in it and and, I'm, and now i understand things I, I realized it would have been quicker if i just learned to code in solidity four years ago <laughs> yeah sorry go yeah, on. no yeah no for me i think it's it's like that but you know i i know i have to know a tiny bit in the market. I need to know how it works. I need to know how everything is developing. And that is, for me, is general knowledge, right? It's, it's, I don't have to be a specialist in blockchain development. Yeah. Uh, for me, I have the idea, uh, which some other blockchain developers don't have. They have yeah. the skill set to make it real, yeah. which I admire, honestly. I, I wish I had that brain or I had that possibility. Maybe it's just putting time into it. But, um, you know, maybe it's not for me. Um, but yeah, I, I try to sell the product. I sell the image. I mm. sell the branding. I sell, I'm a marketing sales mm. communications person. And I'm not someone that, you know, is able to stay in front of a computer for <laughs> 10 hours mm. and, um, you know, break my head around one line of code that is failing. <laughs> To be honest, most developers can't either. They, they hate it as well. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, but you, I mean, I do appreciate that because it's also something, sometimes to not be in front of the code, you can see the business opportunity that people who know it too well can't see. So mm. I, I do appreciate that. Um, okay. Um, so is there any other stuff that you'd like to talk about your companies or yourself? You know, um, um, any interesting topics? Uh, well, if they got in this far, well, thank you. Um, they can reach me at, uh, well, my LinkedIn. I don't know if you put it on the, um, down yeah, there or whatever. You might want to but, spell out the names of your company so people can just enter it because there'll be yeah. an audio version as well. Perfect. It's uh, net. Um, that is uh, the uh, decentralized uh, social media. And, and that'll be there, out in September, yeah? Yeah, that'll be out in, yeah. in September. Okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, you can already invest in the ICO if you want, and you can, you feel like it's a, a great project, which honestly I think it is, but that is up to you. Um, and then you have ScanDefi, which is S-C-A-N-D-E-F-I.net. ScanDefi, like a scanner, but a DeFi. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and then afterwards, you can follow me on on LinkedIn or connect with me on Juan Gasca Aristegueta. You already have it there um, on the on the Zoom link or on the Zoom page. And then afterwards, well, you're you're more than welcome to follow our social media in uh, Instagram or uh, Twitter of Tinderfy or Scandify, which you can find in the website itself. Okay, thanks. That sounds great. Okay, so we'll um, put the links in the show notes as well. And um, uh, I thank you a lot for your time, uh, Juan, today. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All thank right. you so much. Thanks. It was thank a you. very great, great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.